Coming up on Deep Background, the politics of the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department and City Hall. I'm Dave Helling. Thanks for joining us. You are on Deep Background. Greetings, you're on Deep Background for February 26th, uh, 2020. Dave Helling with the Kansas City Stars Editorial Board. We've got an all-editorial board podcast, a Deep Background podcast today for you. Uh, Derek Donovan, my co-host with the Editorial Board, great to have him with us. And Toriana Porter uh, of the Editorial Board is here because today we want to talk about the controversies and discussion Uh, surrounding the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department and the politics of it and the reality of it and what it means for the community and and where we stand on a bunch of different issues. And Toriano has written about it. I've written about it. We've written about it at the Star uh, because, in part because, obviously, the police department is the most important thing in any community, public safety being the number one priority for virtually everyone. Uh, There have been controversies over the last couple of weeks over the amount of police officers needed on the streets, whether the budget should include body cameras. There are always concerns about the relationship between the police department and the community. Um, uh, But Toriano, let me start with you. You're from St. Louis. Yes. I mean, they argue about the police over there, too. Do we have a sense that the discussion around the Kansas City, Missouri Department is different in any way than what you might find in any other community in America. Obviously, the police are always going to be an issue. I would say the big uh, thing here, as far as context, is the lack of local control. You know, over in St. Louis, they, they have re- regained the control of the police department, which adds a layer of accountability. And I think that's where the conversation needs to start here in KC and continue to um, be amongst people's minds and brains. Like, why don't we have local control? All right, well, let's explain for the listeners to the, of the podcast who may not be aware what we're talking about mm-hmm. is Kansas City remains unique in the country uh, as the only major city in which the uh, police department is uh, overseen by a state-appointed, governor-appointed board of police commissioners, including the mayor, who is, of course, an automatic member, right. but five-member commission whose job it is to oversee the operation of the department, to make budget requests, uh, and to make sure that the department uh, adheres to whatever standards of discipline and uh, that it wants to impose, and to make some policy decisions. I mean, whether it's, you know, should we have a mounted horse patrol, should we have body cameras, that type of thing. Kansas City is the only place in which that's still run by the state of Missouri. It really does distort, does it not, the relationship in some ways. I mean, I think people a lot of times think this is just boxes on a chart, but it but it really does, or it has the potential anyway, of distorting the way the people of this city relate to their police department. Right. And Do you for, think that's right? I think that's correct. For me, first, I, will, I would say that um, the, the Board of Commissioners um, they have a thankless job, and they do what they can. It's not their fault the way the system is set up. However, if you want accountability, trans- transparency, and build trust within the community, you have to bring it back to the local level and local control. KC City Council approves the budget, but they have no say-so in what goes on at the police department. And that's, that's, a, that's an issue and a concern for if the If the council wants body cameras, 
Yes. It can provide money, but the department right. doesn't necessarily have to do, have to require their officers to use them. That's a choice made by the board and not by the council. Exactly. And KC remains not only one of the largest agency in America with, with, with our body cameras, but if you add that with the lack of local control, that's when you started fostering this uh, system of distrust among the community. And it's worth it's worth noting that St. Louis is under the same um, situation, you know, going back to, I think it was 1939, where neither city had local control, right. but in 2013, right. they, got it back. they got it back, right. And so what is the immediate on-the-ground effect once you have the decisions being made locally? Accountability. Now, did it help to reduce the murder rate in that city? No. That's a whole other issue. But accountability. Well, you do Where hear people, uh, just so we're clear, you will hear people in St. Louis and even in Kansas City say local control didn't really change the situation, that the police department is still whatever it is in St. Louis, and that shifting from state control to local control hasn't made a difference. Do you have a sense that it has or ha- hasn't over there and what that might imply for here in Kansas City, Toriano? It's made a difference. It, it's made that police chief more accountable to the people that sits on the board of aldermen and the mayor and the people, bottom line. And, and, and you think you would argue that it would have a similar effect if it happens in Kansas City. I, I think so. But you, but you know, Derek, <laughs> I mean, you, you've you been in this community forever, so have I. I mean, I've been writing about this issue maybe for 30 years, literally 30 years. Resistance to local control is very strong, isn't it? It is indeed. And here's what's really crazy. The KC Police Department, they are a couple of steps away from being a really, really strong department, in my opinion. Those guys do great. Those guys and girls on the force do great work. There's great people that work for that organization. But when you don't have local control, body cams, and open and transparent dialogue with your community, also, KC Police Department does not have a citizen review board that has teeth to in, uh, to investigate officer-involved shooting and other use of force incidents, that's an issue and a problem that we should be screaming at the top of our lungs about. Yeah, let's be, you know, I think that's all very true. And yet the department seems to be fairly popular with the public. I mean, you know, citizen service. Some segments of the public. Well, talk to us about that then. Is there, is there, for those of us who don't daily, uh, you know, have interaction with the police department, it is clear, isn't it, Toriano, that there is distrust in terms of the level of cooperating with the mm-hmm. police department, which may contribute to the high murder rate. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, something bit. me and Derek talked about a, a week or so ago, just the clearance rate here, of the clearance rate of homicides solved cases. You don't get a lot of cooperation from the people in the communities where these uh, crimes are occurring because there's a lack of trust. They don't feel like the police have their back, care about their rights, nor do they feel like the police will protect them if they come forward with information. Therefore, if you have this discord of distrust, you have a lack of cooperation, you have murder upon murder not being solved. Right, I mean, we, we've, there are great examples of that over and over, right, Derek, where we're told that people have some knowledge of a violent crime or a murder or a shooting, and yet for whatever reason feel it's easier not to tell the police what they know. I mean, I've covered stories like that where the neighbors all have a sense of what may have happened, but for whatever reason don't want to cooperate with the police. And the police will tell you that's one of their great frustrations, and prosecutors as well. And it becomes a vicious cycle too, because then you know those people don't get help in trying to drive out some of this violence. Torian, tell me a little bit about your 
impressions on what people think about our newish still uh, chief, Rick Smith? It, it's hard to say because with all due respect to Chief Smith, he's been absent, if you ask me, in the community. Like you're saying he doesn't come out to crime scenes and things that maybe some of his predecessors did? In general, I would say yes. He, he, he lacks mm, um, the ability to connect with certain uh, segments of the population. And, and if you want to ask me specifically, I would say the minority population. I mean, Chief Smith is doing the best job he can, I, I would imagine, but he could do more like all of us, you know? And I, and I just want to put that out there that the chief has to be more engaged with every segment of the population and not just get on front lines when the police are doing something great and patting them on the back. Because he, he does that. He does a great job of building morale. He's very supportive of, of the police. And, and hats off to yeah. him for that because you have to have that kind of leader, but you also represent the community. And you have to get out in front and let the community know that the police department has their back. Segments of the community, like there's other parts of the community that feel, don't feel the way I feel or other citizens feel. They feel protected. Citizen surveys, they are, you know, they are consistently in favor of the police and they love the job the police doing, but that's not for everyone. Yeah, some of this is... Some of the uh, discussion surrounding Rick Smith involves his predecessor, Daryl Forte, who was the chief, as you know, who, who for whatever reason, was perceived as being more you know, African-American and is perceived to have been a little more communica communicative with the community and had a mixed record on violent crime. Yeah. And there, there was always a discussion, Toriano, wasn't there, that Rick Smith, in a way, was a higher uh, in reaction to the perceived short comings of Daryl Forte in terms of the department's operation itself. Is that fair? I mean, is that your sense of it? Or or is this just another decision? Or was this just another decision in it, which the chief defends his people, which is part of his job? You know, every leader is different. Uh, Forte was different. Forte had a tremendous amount of responsibility on him being African-American in this town. And he did the best job he could under the circumstances. Um, Rick Smith, He's doing, I guess he's doing an adequate job in my opinion, but I still think he's lacking as far as just being open, transparent, and out in the community yeah. where everyone can see him. Does more, would it help to have more police officers in Kansas City? No. Now let's talk a little bit about, there's about 1,350 officers, give or take. The new budget calls for adding 10 officers, some social workers which uh, apparently is a, a concern of the department. They want more people involved at the station level who can deal with social issues, mental health issues. 10 more officers, a raise for officers of about a total $7 million pot for raises for the police department. Uh, uh, the head of the police board, Nathan Garrett, has said, no, we need 65 more officers, not 10. Uh, the chief and the board earlier recommended 30 more officers, not 10. Does that, would that make a, sig a significant dent in, in the murder rate in Kansas City? Do I, I, we have any sense I, of that? Or I, don't think, I don't think more officers on the ground is going to solve the issue. You have to cultivate um, a culture of trust. You do that by using the resources that you have. But you also have to add certain components. And one of those things I'm big on is body cameras. There's no excuse. This message is for the board, President Nathan Garrett. This is for Rick Smith and whoever else. There's no excuse why Kansas City, Missouri police should not have body cameras. 
there's no more excuses. Run us through the math of that. How much would it cost, roughly? Do they uh, have a sense of that? And- according to the police, 2.5 or so million per year to, to, to institute and store and go right. through. And what is the value of the body camera? The value. There's two pieces of value, isn't there? There's the evidentiary value, but also just, the again, the trust factor. Right, the, the trust factor. I don't know. And if by the way, the, I remember covering the use of video cameras in cars, uh, police cars, and there dash was cam uh, dash cam video, and there was initial resistance to that by the department as well, in yeah. part based on cost and other things. But as it turns out, it seems as if dash cameras have actually been accepted by and and in some ways has uh, some ways been helpful for the rank and file. You can't get away from video in 2020, 21st century policing. You have to have dashboard cameras. You have to have body cameras. We don't. And here's the thing. People can say what they want to say. I have a quote. I didn't make it up. Dead men can't talk. So if you have an officer-involved shooting and a suspect ends up dead, and we've written about a few here, they can't defend themselves. So the only word we have to go by is the police. I don't have no problem against police. It's a tough job, a thankless job, one I couldn't do. But that doesn't mean they're not human. That doesn't mean they don't lie. And we know people lie, especially to stay out of trouble, stay out of jail. So if you have video evidence that eliminates the lying, it eliminates the the, uh, misconception that this officer is always right. It adds a layer of proof that this is what happened. It's a learning tool for the department and also the community. And also too, I mean, the reality is in this day and age, you know, everybody's got a smartphone in their pocket with a camera on it. And a lot of this video is coming out. We've written about cases like this that, you know, somebody passing by has seen a police action. Exactly. And, uh, you know, as sort of you alluded to, Dave, there are a lot of times when having that body camera would exonerate an officer of something they're being accused right, of. Right, and I think yes. officers begin to realize that over time, which is why their objection to body cameras Uh, sometimes lessons once they're in force. Hey there, this is Derek Donovan of the Kansas City Star Editorial Board, and we hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like what you hear, help us support this podcast and the journalism that reporters at the Star do every day by subscribing. There's an easy way for you to do it. Head to kansascity.com slash background. You'll even get a special discount just for being a deep background listener. By subscribing at that URL, you will get three months of unlimited digital access to the star for $1.99 total. That's right, you get access to kansascity.com, the e-edition of the newspaper, our mobile apps, and more for three whole months, and it only costs you $1.99. That's a pretty sweet deal. Plus, you will be supporting journalism that makes a difference in Kansas City. So, go grab your computer or mobile device and head to kansascity.com background. And hey, thanks for listening. I'm going to go back to something that Toriano said because I think it's so important. Uh, you know, being a cop is a tough job. Boy. I mean, it is, you know, particularly the, the street guys, oh my God. The, the, the patrol guys, you know, they're out uh, in very dangerous situations. It's cold, it's dark, it's difficult. Uh, they're asked to do things that none of the rest of us are asked to do. Um, and, and so that plays into it a little bit too, doesn't it, Derek, in your view, that uh, that that you know public support is based on an understanding of that and that 
citizens, when given a choice, tend to give the police department the benefit of the doubt in almost every case, don't they? Absolutely. It's, it's part of our culture. Yeah. You, you think that's right? Without question. And, and, without question. And, 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 here's and, and by the way, they're not wrong to not do wrong. that because, I that. Uh, you know, I think our colleague Michael Ryan went through a don't shoot shoot, don't shoot exercise, and I've covered that. I've never done it, but I've been, and, and <laughs> believe me. A split-second decision. It, it, yes. Like, with deadly I force. Get, with deadly force, and that's one of the reasons why I said that's a job I probably couldn't do. Right. But that does not give me, that does not prevent me from having an opinion of what I think is best. And just growing up in urban community and experiencing certain things and dealing with St. Louis police, I've never had a problem in Kansas City, personally, I have to say that. Right. Uh, I've never had a problem with the Kansas City Police Department, personally. I've right. never been unfairly pulled over, unfairly arrested, or anything like that. M my issue is, like, I'm speaking for the people, the people that don't have a voice. And I'm, I'm in these communities, I'm in the street, I'm from the urban hood, so I know about the distrust. I know about the quote unquote, which I don't agree with, no snitching rule. I, I get all of that, yeah. you know. So for me, the skepticism of police is real. But in the same token, there's a, a large segment of society that has not dealt with discriminatory practices or being illegally pulled over or profiled. That shapes you. The first time I was ever pulled over for not doing anything in St. Louis, it really changed my perception of police because up until I was 17 or 18, I had never dealt with the law. And I'm driving, I get pulled over for no reason, and, and I'm thinking, what did I do? And there was no excuse, and the car was searched and all of that. That changed my perception of police. Yeah. yeah. You know? I'm not a big fan of, you know, if I ran the world type of things, but coming from your background, if you were able to do one thing to try to combat that sort of inherent skepticism of so many people who live in, ur in urban environments of the police, what would, be, what would go the furthest toward fixing that? Getting back to community policing. You have to know the people that you serve. And the people that you serve have to know you, they have to trust you. Uh, beat cops. You know, I know Dave knows about walking the beat, you know? Cops used to walk the beat. Like, before we got on the editorial right. board, we had beats. And when you have beats, you cultivate sources. You cultivate trust. If you are just doing this, I don't know what kind of policy the police use here, but it's not. They're trying to get to the community-oriented policing, but you haven't had that consistently. So the neighborhood don't, they don't know these police officers. Right, and one of the things the department will say is they could do more community policing if they had more officers, <laughs> that if they had more people, they wouldn't be responding to 911 calls all the time or doing other things. Um, and, you know, the my interest in the police department, frankly, I'm glad to have Toriano on because the things he talks about are extraordinarily important. My focus has always been more on the politics of the department and the wisdom of spending decisions and efficiencies because my argument has always been that, they, you know, cops do extraordinarily dangerous, difficult work. But that does not exempt, and so do firefighters for that matter, but that does not exempt you from needing to be as efficient with taxpayer dollars yep. as you can be and, 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 and as focused on spending your money in the best possible way to get the most bang for the buck. And that tension is a real thing at City Hall, always has been, because... You know, state law requires the the uh, city to spend 20% of the general fund on cops. It spends close to 40%. I mean, double what the state law requires, and yet 
for some in the department, it never does seem to be enough, and that's the quarrel that I've had, which dovetails to our original discussion, Toriano, about police board oversight, because it removes that layer of responsibility and makes those decisions more difficult. And, and, the, re and the reason we talk about this so much is because when you add in fire on top of that, that's three quarters of the budget. Right, two, three, which was not always the case, and there are other things that are important in a community, trash removal, park maintenance, street maintenance. I mean, we've got potholes from stem to stern in Kansas City, and there is not an unlimited amount of cash, and much of the money that the city gets comes from people who don't make a lot of money. I mean, and so and so, the, the, it's always been my argument, Toriano, that the department has an absolute responsibility to justify its spending just like any other function of government. Yep. And because of the existence of the police board, it is easier to avoid those questions Ex than it should be. Exactly. And, and when has, in the history of America, when has more cavalry solved the issues? Like, if you hire more police officers, you just send more people into these communities, they're gonna feel they're gonna they're gonna feel like a occupying force. No, that's not building trust and um fostering. Yeah, like, no, I would I would put push back only in this way. It's okay. The, the, you know, if you had no police officers you would have anarchy. I mean there has to be some presence and so the debate is always not whether you don't have any cops or you have 10,000, it's what's the right number? What's the most efficient number that brings you the, you know, that brings you the most crime prevention or arrest for crime? Remember the police show up after an event, right. usually not right. before, right. Um, uh, for, for the money that you spend. And of course that's a, you know, that's true in all political decisions. What's the sweet spot uh, for, for enforcement and spending? I guess my argument is because you do a tough job doesn't mean you don't have to answer those questions. And it is, and weird, I think yeah. that's true. And I really, Derek, I started this conversation t talking to Toriano. I don't think that's unique to Kansas City. I think if you if we went to Cincinnati tomorrow, right. there would be people saying right. you're spending too much on the police right. or not enough, or Baltimore or New York. I mean, just pick up an urban area. The difference is because of the unique operating structure in Kansas City, those questions become more contentious because the lines of authority are so blurred in terms of who does what and how, so that the head of the police board can say, we need 65 officers, and then blame the council for not getting them. Yeah. And the council can legitimately say, well, we don't have any control that you are, if you want those officers. And that, so ultimately- Everyone's passing the buck. And the system, Toriano, in Kansas City allows that to happen, uniquely so. Yep. So that bucks get passed everywhere that you would not see in a Dallas or in a, Phoenix. I mean, I'm just picking cities out of the off the top of Seattle, wherever, and that's why it's so important, frankly, that I think we write about it and that mm -hmm. the other journalists pay attention because th the systemic problems in the Kansas City police force are so unique in that way. Yeah, I would have to agree. And and, and again, this conversation is not to bag on the police because. That's that's disclaimer we have to put out there. They do a great job with the resources that they have. Yeah, it's not really a disclaimer. Right. It's the truth. Yeah. It just, you know, it. Uh, I've compared it to the U.S. military before. Nobody doubts the courage and bravery right. uh, of the U.S. military and their need for the most equipment and the yeah. most people. But you don't. You can't write a blank check nope. to any uh, public organization without insisting on to the greatest degree possible efficiency 
and, and, and why spending? Because the people who pay the bills for the police department are the taxpayers who send their money to a place making it impossible for them to use their money for shoes or food or, or, or you know, notebook paper for the kids or a roof over their heads. And so it's a pretty important thing. And if you, if you get into this weird Kansas City situation in which that equation is short-circuited, it almost demands additional scrutiny by, by the press and public. And it is weird that this is very rarely brought up in discussions from a perspective of good government. But I mean, that's exactly what you're, you're arguing for. We talk about whether our money is being spent correctly on subsidies for developers, whether for street repair, any of these things. And it almost never comes down to the question of money when you're talking about the police. You you hear about it on the national level uh, about the military spending, but you, you just don't hear many people framing well, it. I mean, that way. another way to uh, analogize it is to say, look, you could, you could solve the pothole problem tomorrow if you spent, you know, two hundred million dollars on pothole repair and you hired fifteen thousand people. I mean, you, governments can always, but the question is not whether that's wise, but whether it's wise in the context of other needs in a community. And it always is is a, uh, a sense of balance. That's the political process. The police, and I must say, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, in a future podcast, the fire department, to a certain degree, believes it doesn't have to answer those questions in the same way that the parks department has to answer those questions. And that's why scrutiny is so important right, to me. Right, right. Anytime you're talking about taxpayers' money, you have to answer to the people, regardless of what agency you're with. And, you know, it's, for me, it's frustrating. Personally, it's frustrating that we're having this conversation here in the 21st century about a lack of body cameras, a lack of local control. I, 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 it's just mind-boggling to me. I've been in this area for 12 years, and the conversation's been going on for decades, and it's continued to go on. And I don't understand why someone in city leadership up or the police board won't step up and just say, you know what, it's time. Because it's time. It's really time for KC to get right. in get in line with 21st century policing. That's building trust in the community, building relationships in the community, also being transparent and having technology. I mean, smaller departments around here have them. Yeah. You can put a camera in your refrigerator these days. We <laughs> ought to be able to get yeah. them on, on police Let, officers. We're almost out of time. I, I want to wrap up with a quick discussion of this fact. I think we're up to 31 homicides, maybe 33 homicides in Kansas City <sighs> through the end of February, my God, my God, which, my God. you know, is a pace for 180 uh, over a full year, it, particularly if you think about murders being down in the winter months as opposed to the summer months. Um, the mayor has said, no, his target is 100 homicides or less, which it's almost impossible to see him meeting that goal now and this year. What does that mean, Toriano? What I mean, uh, you know, we've talked sort of in the abstract about policing and procedures and stuff, but uh, the reality my, is people are still being shot to death my, in this community. My heart breaks every single time our newspaper reporters report on these murders and homicides. Every single time. It's heartbreaking. Every single time. You're talking about 31 families whose lives have been destroyed here in, two, in less than... Almost less than two months. Right, right. That's that's for a city with the potential and the greatness of Kansas City, Missouri. That's unacceptable. And what can we as a community do about that to help the police? What can we do as a community to help City Hall? That is a question that has not been answered. Right. And part of that is because 
the, the strategy isn't clear, is it? I mean, if, if, if you said tomorrow, hey, look, had a, at 100 officers, you'd have 100 homicides or less. People would do it like that. But there's no guarantee no, that there's would happen. No, there's no guarantee. Or, or so, and I think the mayor, Mayor Quentin Lucas, was pretty aggressive about saying, in essence, uh, you know, this is my target without a full understanding of the interlocking realities of, of what's going on in the control. community and some things you can't <laughs> control. So as a political matter, again, and just as a human matter, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the murders so far are just extraordinarily worrisome. I mean, they're Man. just, and, and there's no, you know, it's not like a gang war that no, we know no, about or some no. sort of thing. It's just the random use of Isolated weapons to take Isolated and pocketed lives. violence. Yeah. And, it, and it, like we've been talking about, it stems from a lack of impulse control, a lack of discipline, and, and, and the perceived slights and insults, and also anger management issues and a lack right. of conflict. And the availability of weapons. And, and that availability of weapons, which is a whole Everyone different does. And a lot of, almost all these things are virtually completely outside the realm of anything the police department can do. Which but, is, you know, like yep. Dave said, they're coming up at the end in the yep. aftermath. No yep. question about and, uh, it. And the, the thing that what we were talking about as far as the clearance rate was you can help get some of these killers off the street by building rapport with your community. Because... There's a handful of people that's doing it, that are the trigger man. I, I I find it hard to believe there's 31 killers walking around Kansas City. Right, and and you also get the sense I'm again. I, this is not based on any reporting. Just the sense that it's retaliation shootings a lot of time. Yeah. You shoot one of mine, yeah. I'm going to shoot one of yeah. yours, and that yeah. breaking that cycle seems to be an extraordinarily important thing, but very difficult and yeah. certainly. You know, around this table, we don't have all the answers, and and nobody does, which is, in some ways, a great tragedy for Kansas City. We've gone on too long. Toriana, I reporter with the Stars Editorial Board, you've been very kind to drop by and talk about these important issues. We'll bring them up again. My colleague and co-host, Derek Donovan, uh, thanks for joining us to talk about this issue and the ongoing issues in Kansas City surrounding violence and crime. I'm Dave Helling with the Editorial Board. Thanks for joining us. You've been on Deep Background.